0: Welcome to Midnight Breakfast Cafe, the podcast that brings you the charming coffee shop banter without the food or beverages. I'm Natalie. And I'm Stacy. And Tracy is out this week. Gallivanting in Vietnam. I was thinking about fantasy jobs because you have so much free time now, and then I was like, well, if you had an ideal job in a fantasy world setting, what would it be? If I could have any job in the
1: world and we didn't have to care about reality what would i want to do
0: well first which which universe would you select
1: that's difficult maybe fantasy because there will be cooler animals so there's a chance of you know maybe seeing a dragon or a unicorn or a griffin or even like a little salamander like the kind you see in fantasy books where they're made out of fire okay oh imagine okay okay So I thought Nude Scalamander, like the whole fantastic beast and where to find them, I thought that was kind of stupid. But really, that is kind of a dream job if you think about it. If you like animals, wouldn't you want to be the keeper of magical animals? And when I say keeper, I mean more like a caretaker.
0: Like you get to look after them and then you get to play with them. I feel like if I existed in a fantasy world, I would die really quickly. You say like, you know, it's all wonderful taking care of like these wonderful, miraculous beasts, or like finding them, and I'm like, I will be gored to death by a manticore. Like that's that's what's gonna happen to me. Well,
1: it depends on how well regulated this fantasy universe is. I'm assuming in a world where there is a job for people to take care of magical beasts, there must be some safeguards and then I will have received adequate training in order to approach them and not be hurt. Just like how Zookeepers in our world have training to approach and take care of dangerous animals.
0: Some some of them still
1: get gored to death. That is true. I hope I will not be one of those. <laughs> also, like how well regulated are you imagining? Are you imagining your fantasy world? Cuz I'm thinking kind of something like in the Crestomancy novels by Diana Wynne Jones or are you thinking something more like middle earth where it's very much just medieval times but with magic
0: i was thinking like a lot about like harry potter and like how that that like just not seems does not seem well regulated at all and everyone has like maybe a high school education oh the harry
1: potter world i think is terrible in terms of being well regulated but i think that's more because Um, J.K. Rowling was focusing more on writing about the school, so she didn't actually flesh out the rest of the wizarding world as much.
0: And like, if you were like a muggle, would you want to know?
1: Yes, because I have a thirst for knowledge about everything. But at the same time, I could see how that would just really upset me. Not so much that the existence of magic would blow my mind, but more that I would be so upset that I was a muggle.
0: Yeah, like you would be like um, um, Julia from like the Magicians series. Was her name Julia? She'd just go crazy. Well, she went crazy yes, for another reason. Julia. But Well, I think she basically had the
1: tendency for depression and then finding out that she got rejected from a magical school was the trigger that sent her into a downward spiral.
0: So d- would you, Would you, I don't know, because I feel like I would get over it. Like, would you be able to get over it?
1: Yeah, I don't think I would have spiraled as much as she did. And I would have eventually gotten over it. But I would definitely have been very upset. I don't know what I would have done in the end.
0: I probably wouldn't have done as many crazy things as she did. though. I was thinking, like, I feel like I'm a pretty competent person. And you're a pretty competent person. And then I was, like, thinking about, like westworld and how i would be like one of the techs who's like competent you know like because i suppose like westworld is hard to work at like it seems like a pretty big corporation and then like you know you're just doing your job and then you get like murdered and that's that i feel like to work at
1: westworld you probably have to go through a large series of psych evaluations to make sure that you don't start empathizing with the hosts
0: But, like, you could just get shot by a host.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it's a text who did have empathy for the host that managed to survive. Yeah. I don't think we could end up working at Westworld because I don't think we're mean enough. I couldn't possibly look at the very realistic android and not think of them as a person. Even if you technically know that they're robots. It would just kind of go against your nature to empathize with things that look like you. Uh I mean, I could probably work as a story writer, but at the same time, having to write stories that involve violence for the hosts, that is also tricky.
0: You can write the family storylines.
1: Maybe, but it seems like people go to Westworld to seek out violence.
0: I know, but we saw like two families. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, actually. We
1: did see actual children in Westworld. So yeah, maybe for that. But otherwise, I would have said that even in the world of Westworld, I don't think I would have been hired by them just because they're like, I'm sorry, you keep crying. You you attack the humans for working on the hosts and stuff. Like You're just not mentally stable enough to work here.
0: I'm wondering, like, If they have Westworld and then they they have, like, Samurai World or whatever, do you think they have, like, Digimon World or, like, Pokemon World? Maybe Pokemon World,
1: but not Digimon World, because Digimon World is kind of weird, because you have to go and the Digimon live in this digital world.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: I was wondering if maybe they have, like, Harry Potter World, where, like,
0: you think you have magic. But I think if... If they had Harry Potter World, you would just be sitting in a chair with, like, a VR headset. Like, that would be it. That's true, because I feel like a lot of the magical spells,
1: it would be very hard to recreate through physical effects, especially when it involves things like turning people into animals or turning yourself into an animal.
0: Which makes me wonder, I guess, like, after we have VR, people want Westworld? Yeah, because
1: Westworld would be even more realistic than VR because it's, like, you're actually in the environment. You're not just wearing a headset. You can feel the things. You can physically touch them and have sex with them and, like, pull a trigger and supposedly kill someone.
0: But it just seems like it's, like, going full circle where it's, like, before rich people went on safari and then we had National Geographic. So if you couldn't go on safari, you could watch Animal Planet. And then, then, like, the next step is, like, you can have like VR safari and then and then so if you have VR safari it's like safari but with none of the mosquitoes and the flies and stuff and then like the next step after that is to go on an actual safari again because now the mosquitoes are like a novelty right because like all the animals
1: are dying off or endangered so you want to actually see a real one and be like yeah my real one is so much better than your virtual one it basically it's always a way to show how much money you have, and how you show how much money you have is basically it's the connection between supply and demand. Mm-hmm. The lesser the supply, the greater the the demand, and the better you can show off your wealth.
0: But what about like um the post work economy, like what post work world, where like we have robots, so most people are just like unemployed.
1: Do they have money?
0: It will be like kind of like Star Trek where like Andy
1: often likes to say how Star Trek operates in basically a moneyless society. Like if you want something, you just get to have it and you don't have to pay for it. And, you know, everything is shared, which I don't know that we can ever reach that state, at least not in the next hundred years, because I feel like that requires a very advanced state of mind where you don't you never compete with your neighbors anymore. Andy brought up a point that this moneyless economy was possible in Star Trek because of an overabundance of everything, that they no longer had to actually work for resources. It was just there. But I feel that even with an overabundance of resources in our day and age, you know, hypothetically, you still have people who want to show that they're richer or better off than their neighbors. And then they would seek somehow to monopolize all the resources. I mean, it's kind of what's going on with the diamond industry. Yeah, Diamond prices are artificially inflated by De Beers Company. And they basically monopolize all the diamonds in the world and keep them off the market in order to keep diamond prices high. And I feel like that would probably what ha- be what happens even if we reach a state where we have an overabundance of supplies.
0: But it's going to be weird. No, because it, 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 I think you're right in that we always want to show that we're, how we're better than other people, but, like, how it's going to happen going to be weird. Um, You know, like, how, like, before, if you were pale, it meant you were rich. Then if you were tanned, it meant that you could go on a holiday because yes. people start working in factories all the time. So, like, if you were poor and you didn't live on a farm, then you were pale. And then um, how I was, like, listening to something recently and then they were saying that now, like, rich people like to show how busy they are all the time. Like, (laughs) if you're rich, it's not like you don't do anything. It's like you're on, like, five boards of five charities and then you, like, run two companies and you wrote a best-selling book and you have a blog and a podcast. Are you talking about Ivanka Trump or something? (laughs) Um, no, I think it was like freakonomics or planet money or something, but how like how we show status like is super weird and different. And I'm sure you're right, but it's gonna be like something really random, like it'll probably be something really mundane. But I think
1: it's also like different level of wealthiness. People who are middle wealthy, like they're wealthy than the average person, but they're not like ostentatiously rich that they're in some list somewhere. They show off how wealthy they are by eating weird foods. I mean, most of the superfood trends we have originated from weird people saying like, oh, this unknown food group that poor people eat in South America, we are now going to eat. Because that's basically what started with kale and quinoa. These were like Mm -hmm. foods that were sustaining these South American countries Mm -hmm. because of how cheap they were. And now rich people in America are like, let's eat them. And now they're artificially driving up the prices for those foods
0: yeah i was also thinking about art and i was like (laughs) listening to a podcast and how this comedian he was saying that like and he's puerto rican dominican um and then he was saying how like western art is like classical art and like ethnic art is folk art and modern art is like folk art gentrified i see
1: his point and I kind of very dislike it because of how non-western art is generalized by folk art because it means like it's not progressive it's so grassroots and localized I, I know that he's not saying this as a truth he's just observing that this seems to be the trend but there is definitely an implication of you know Levels Like, Western art is considered, like, more high-level because of Mm -hmm. its long history, and therefore it's the progression of art. But it just implies that non-Western art has never come out of that phase, and that's why it's all, like, folk art.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If you just look at art throughout history, like, they use different kinds of inks and paints depending on what point in history they're in. And nowadays, we have basically... We have digital art. So I feel like something interesting to look out for is basically what kind of art you could have in a fantasy or science fiction world. For instance, in Harry Potter, the paintings move. Like the paintings are partly sentient, although Mm -hmm. that never really made sense to me because do they develop their own sentience? Or do they somehow encompass a little bit of the soul of whoever the portrait subject is?
0: Probably. Because they have like the Hufflepuff lady.
1: Well, for instance, I'm thinking about the portrait of Elvis Dumbledore in the headmaster's room when Snape was headmaster and then they talk to it and then the portrait of Elvis Dumbledore doesn't speak but turns out to be a secret passage that leads to his brother's inn.
0: I have a really creepy idea that all the portraits are like the little seed things in the black mirror episode the holiday special they put like a little implant in your head and it watches you for a week and then they take it out and then so that person that thing that they take out it thinks it's you and it knows that it knows all your likes and dislikes and then basically then they torture this virtual self until that person breaks down and then you'll never have burnt toast again you'll have like The perfect Alexa or Amazon Echo in your house.
1: I hope there's a robot rebellion and all the humans die.
0: (laughs) And I was thinking that like, what if the portraits have like that same concept where how it would suck to think that you're a person, but then learn that you're not.
1: Well, I'm also just wondering how it works because the portraits in Hogwarts of, are of dead people. Supposedly, so because otherwise, imagine if you're still alive, and then there's a portrait of yourself that also thinks it's you and knows what you're thinking. Like, wouldn't that be kind of upsetting?
0: Well, it also might. Like, do you remember the knight with the fat pony? And he's the one who guards like the Gryffindor. He doesn't guard the. He guards the Gryffindor portal. Like, one book, two books, maybe. Anyway, I don't know if he was ever real. Because he's kind of an idiot. Yeah,
1: or like, do these portraits just like suddenly magically come alive and be like, oh, who are we? Well, I don't know. I'm a portrait.
0: And then, like, how do they make them come alive? Like, what if you're just like a shit artist? <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, also, do they come alive because like they use magical paint or there's some sort of incantation that they do, like the painter does to make their art come alive? But at the same time, it wouldn't be surprising for members of the wizarding community that the fact that Muggle paintings and portraits don't come alive, though. So are all
0: portraits, do all portraits move? Photographs move. And
1: remember, there was definitely a line where they were talking about how, was it Sean or Dean? One of the other Gryffindor kids was also from a Muggle family, and the other kids in the dorm were surprised because his posters of soccer players didn't move.
0: What is that thing on Instagram called that, like, you move a little bit? The boomerang filter? Yes. It's like J.K. Rowling predicted the boomerang 15 years before it happened. But printed, not on computer screens. That's a small
1: detail. Yeah, that is a small detail, but you're right. Or it's kind of like um, a while ago, there was the trend of the cinemagraphs, which is um, gifs, animated gifs that were endlessly looped. Mm-hmm. So it's also like that, where you have a just something just doing the same thing over and over again, but it looks like a continuous stream. But no, in her world, like the subjects and photographs also seem to be slightly sentient because I remember there was like a photograph of the Weasley family on vacation, and one of them was like at, kind of like trying to shy away from one of the other siblings or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's terrible. Imagine like you're a photograph, but you have some sentience, so you can actually like live in the world of the photograph. Kind of like how people used to imagine there were other worlds, like mirror worlds through mirrors.
0: Well, you know, like how they say when someone takes your photograph they capture like a piece of your soul that's
1: probably what jakey rowling like was inspired by when she considered like people moving in photographs but what about paintings do they also capture a bit
0: of your soul i think many a painter has told that to a young lady (laughs) (laughs) to get her clothes off yeah but i thought having
1: a part of your soul captured in something else was supposed to be horrifying
0: I guess it's kind of like you're gonna get old and ugly and you'll die but you always will look lovely in this painting that I'm gonna do for you.
1: It's like that episode of Sex and the City where Samantha takes a picture of herself like fully naked because you know she has to do it while she's still hot and then she'll remember her hotness when she's old.
0: Why would you want to remember though? I I would just be even more sad to know like how I used to look.
1: I think in this case it's like at least you are hot at some point in your life unlike those other people who were never hot at any stage in their life
0: Yeah but that sucks for the people who are not physically attractive or did not realize that they were physically attractive until it was too late
1: I know but I feel like you know this is an episode about how Samantha copes with getting older And her way of coping is to remind herself that at least she will be an old, hot woman as it just supposed an old woman.
0: Yes, that is a good point. And I think,
1: you know, for her, it is mostly vanity. It's not just pride. It's mostly vanity. That's why she tipped, like, the delivery guy, like, an extra 20 bucks because he complimented her on her ass when he saw her portrait. Wow. It's not so much that she knows she was hot. It's so other people visiting her in the future will be like, damn girl
0: you hot did you watch parks and rec i love parks and rec like that drunk reporter lady who has her own chalk show and how she has portraits of herself
1: (laughs) not just herself did she have like a portrait of her ex-husband i think so no it it was herself oh i think it was herself and her husband yeah I think that is definitely another way that rich people will show they're rich, even in a society where we have an overabundance. You know, it's just this desire to slap your likeness onto other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, whether or not it's just commissioning all these ridiculous portraits or buying entire buildings and slapping your name on them.
0: Hopefully, it won't be like as much on like women's bodies. It's kind of like how you can show status. By how good looking your wife is. Oh, I hope that goes you. <laughs> well,
1: I feel like for that, you also have to have women stop viewing their bodies as a commodity. But at the same time, as long as there are people willing to pay for that, there's going to be women willing to sell their bodies. Like, not just as being a trophy wife, but also just in other ways. I mean, being a fashion model in a way that's selling your body as a commodity.
0: Mm-hmm. Or just selling your likeness, like movie actresses and stuff where you have to, like, part of your job is to look good. Or being a spokesperson for a brand. Yeah.
1: So in a way, athletes do this too. Athletes are basically, they sell their bodies, but it's, it's instead of being derided as models are, because models sell the, the way that their body looks – Athletes supposedly sell their physical prowess, mm-hmm. but part of that also does encapsulate selling the way their bodies look. Or else we wouldn't have like spokesmodels for sports brands.
0: What is the the Neil Gaiman book about? Like the the subway, the underground. Neverwhere. Neverwhere. Do you remember the Huntress? Oh, Hunter. Yeah, yeah she
1: was. She was a cool character, even though she turned out to like she betrayed them in the end.
0: Yeah, but she was like, he's like uh, the main character is like, what do you do? And she's like, I sell my body. And then he's like, he he tells everyone else that she's a prostitute, but it turns out she's <laughs> yeah. a bounty hunter.
1: Yes, or that she's was awkward. like a mercenary. Yeah, but I think that's a reflection on the society above ground, or. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say something like you sell your services or you sell your body to offer services, like you immediately think of sex because Mm -hmm. that's what you think about when you think about the human body. One thing I do like in the Neverwhere novel is that, you know, there's these scenes where they talk about what each character is dreaming of. And through her dreams, you realize like Hunter is a very sexual woman and her appetites are quite varied I didn't really like that
0: one. I didn't like Richard. He annoyed me.
1: He was very whiny, but it was kind of about how he grows up and stops being as whiny.
0: Yeah, but I'm just like, there's so many stories about like young whiny men who like have to go on an adventure to learn how to not be whiny. Like then, Luke
1: Skywalker.
0: Yeah, and it is just like, dude, stop bitching. Although,
1: right now we have the whiner in
0: command, which is well. I would say the
1: whiniest main character on TV or in movies right now would probably be Kylo Ren.
0: Yeah, well, like you look at like these male characters and like how like how they're like dumbasses, but they get to be the hero, and then like you look at like Princess Leia and like how competent these like women are, and then like they have to be super competent just to be on the same level as like you know like how um Finn is like a bumbling idiot and Ray is like you know basically has scraped her life together since she was a small child and they're somehow at the same level even though
1: you know No, like, I think
0: it was pretty obvious that Ray is way ahead of Finn. I know, but like in terms of their value to people. You're like, "Oh, like I guess, like, for Rey to become the protagonist of, like, The Force Awakens, she has to be super awesome. But, like, you don't have to be super awesome if you're a dude. You just have to be kind of competent.
1: I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. I think in The Force Awakens, Finn is the lens through which we're looking at the story Mm -hmm. at first. Like, it's pretty obvious, like, he's there because he can provide information about. The, the dark side I forgot what their name is but he's there because he defected and he has valuable information to share and it's also through his actions that we get to meet Ray who is obviously special and it's kind of about how they relate to each other and he is witnessing the, the progress the evolution of this amazing person and we're watching it with him
0: I feel like just as a movie-going audience, we're a lot more tolerant of male idiocy than female idiocy. That is true. I think it's because, you know, even if we're aware of
1: it, there's still this concept that being white and male is the default. And so you can put things on top of that and showcase those individual traits without it being affected by their whiteness or their maleness. But once you change either one of that, if you change the character into a black male his his blackness becomes his defining trait, or if you change it into a woman, the womanness becomes the defining trait, and anything else on top of that becomes attributed to their non male or non whiteness, yeah, so if you see like a female character being stupid, it's not that she's stupid; it's you know somehow because she's a woman. And that makes her even more stupid than if it had been a male character being stupid.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, I think it's a reflection of, it's not only in movies, it's a reflection of how we treat people in life too. Like all these examples of, I'm sure you've had just like these guy coworkers who are so annoying, but people just seem to ignore how bad they are at their jobs. But, like, if a woman did the same mistakes, it's like, oh, Deborah, you really messed up.
0: No comment.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, yes, it's sad that female characters in stories are also expected to be more competent. Like, they're not allowed to be the protagonist without first demonstrating how special they are. Whereas a lot of male characters yeah. are allowed to stumble into being the protagonist and then slowly rise to the occasion instead.
0: Well, I guess it's like when it's like every man, every maybe every white man has like a relevant story to tell. But if you're female, like you have to prove that you have an interesting story. That's true.
1: Kinda makes me think of the Lego movie where the the hero Lego, Emmett, he's special because he's not special.
0: Well, it's also because like he can't follow directions like a normal person. Like he's like dumb. Right, he's dumb, but he also has
1: like no imagination, so he he doesn't know how to like improvise or just build random stuff with Legos. He has to follow the rule book but then at the same time, it just means that it doesn't matter what kind of person you are, as long as you believe that you can be the hero, then you can be the hero
0: or you end up as a red shirt. The loudest
1: members of the audience are the ones who don't want to hear a story about kick-ass women. Or they're willing to listen to a story about kick-ass women, but they don't want to listen to a story about a woman just trying to figure things out.
0: No, that's chick lit, man.
1: Yeah, exactly. It becomes its own genre. But you don't ha- we don't call like stories about bumbling guys trying to figure things out. We don't call that dick lit. Have you ever read like
0: um, the Forever War or um, the Left Hand of Darkness? No. Where it's kind of like what happens when we get to a place where we're like post gender or post like biology, where like because like gender in some ways is kind of tied to our biology, and what happens when we're we're no longer f- purely physical beings?
1: Hmm, I feel like that's that's maybe something that i can't quite comprehend yet because at least for me my gender is very much tied into my
0: identity mm-hmm. so if but like if you if you stopped having a body then that would no longer be an issue or it would be a very different issue it would like, be a very different issue because yeah.
1: you know just the way that we grow up the way that we experience the world is very much defined by our bodies and mm-hmm. so Just having to imagine what somebody who is trans growing up with a gender that doesn't correspond to their biological identity is already very difficult for me. Not because I think it's weird, but because I feel like that's just so much conflict that I don't know that I would be able to handle. Like, I'm lucky that I'm cisgendered and comfortable with the body I Mm am. Because I'm just thinking like, I enjoy my body so much in so many ways. I like being able to ta- like feel things, like tactile senses. I mm-hmm. like, I quite like working out when I'm not dying from the pain. I like just being like, hey guys, like feel how hard my muscles are. Like, or check out my butt. I'm really proud of my butt. And not having a body means I don't get to indulge in those things. I'm imagining, like, a world in which we have no bodies. Because this is what you're talking about, right? In a world, like, if, like, you don't have a biological identity, then you wouldn't have a gender identity because you have no body.
0: Yeah. Or, like, gender would be imagined very differently.
1: But... I'm just thinking, like, are we just spirits or consciousness just floating around? Like, it would
0: drastically
1: eliminate the need for material objects.
0: Yeah. How would
1: how would we, like, get new information? Just basically download it straight into our brains?
0: Well, I, I guess, like, it would be, like, probably not. We'd probably care about memory, but... Because I'm thinking about like
1: so much of our knowledge and history is defined by us having material bodies. Like war, a lot of war stems from conflict over territory. And that's because we need land to house ourselves, we need land to get resources from. And even like Mm -hmm. math, math itself is so abstract, but there's a tangible, like, material need for it because we needed to do things like engineering. And architecture we need numbers so that we can create things if we have no more need to create things do we still require math
0: well we would want to be able to keep our consciousness running however it would be running which would require some sort of technology which would probably require math
1: yes but I guess that's where my question is like where is our consciousness is it's like stored on some sort of like hardware like a hard drive or is it just around us like in the sky kind of like transcendentalism where we're just like these big eyeballs big invisible eyeballs
0: i don't know because like if it happened soon it would be like we would be like part of a server farm like there would just be like a ton of computers in a in some place somewhere I feel like probably rich dead people have frozen their brains and, like, tried to figure out how to, like, upload or download. I don't know. Like, I don't know if we would make a fake world. Like, you know, like, an Inception or whatever. But we'd probably, like, do that for a while. And then we'd, like, probably create something else and something new. Because I feel like, as a species, we've been rather creative. Have you read The Midnight Circus? So that book, The Circus, was really awesome. The people were, like, terrible. Where you're just like, you just need to get into a room and talk to each other, and then you'll be fine.
1: I rather liked the character Cecilia. I hated her counterpart. What was his name? Like, Marcus or something? He was
0: a psychopath. He
1: was, like, he was awful. He was manipulative. He Mm. was, like, using magic to make himself more attractive and, like, Taking advantage
0: of his boss's like unspoken sexual attraction to him and everything, well he, he was also had, like, like no wiping empathy. his boss's memory until like he like went kind of nutty.
1: You're right, he had like no empathy for anybody around him, and like Cecilia was like the complete opposite. She like went to work in the circus she uh, she genuinely cared about the people around her. It's like what the hell much did she see in him? I mean, I did like the point where like if you grow up knowing that you're supposed to have like this battle to the death with this other person and you're like you're just obsessed with that person for your entire life, like it does kind of warp your feelings like you know it's kind of how people <laughs> say that People like Kate Bearden has like like these great comic series about these like two war like naval captains who are like obsessed with each other because they're like each other's nemesis and like she makes it seem kind of like a unrequited love on both their sides and i think that is kind of true like when you're so obsessed like you're not you don't have lovey-dovey emotions towards them but everything Mm -hmm. you do is defined by like how close it gets you to the other person
0: yeah but it was kind of like cecilia that's like that's your business but like why do i have to deal with your shit? (laughs) <laughs> or like you know if you just kill the person you'll be
1: free you know like he's horrible he doesn't deserve any but this kill him and then get on with the rest of your life okay
0: yeah and then so in the end they're just like stuck in the circus forever as like these like weird ghost-like beings right i'm
1: br- bringing this up because you know it also talks about how her dad he became something similar where he disincorporated himself mm-hmm. Like, he wanted to lead an existence, like, he wanted to transcend being human and just be, like, pure consciousness. Except, you know, if you don't have a body, like, he kind of hated it because he couldn't actually do anything anymore. He could just watch. And then so, like, when Cecilia did it, I was just kind of like, I don't see how this is, like, good. Like, your ghost's haunting the circus now, kind of, like, you don't have a body anymore. Like they're not disembodied the way that her dad is, but they can't interact with the real world anymore and is it, is that really any better
0: i didn't I, I found this book very upsetting, and it was very upsetting also because like parts of it were so good, like the description of the tents was really good, the description yeah. of the food
1: was really good. just like, I think it would have worked
0: better as a series of
1: short stories that took place within this magical circus as opposed to a story about how the circus was formed mm-hmm. Agreed. or this or this weird magical duel that was taking place at the same time that was just stupid mm-hmm. you're right like i have to say i don't think that the writing was particularly great i can get quite turned off of a book if i don't enjoy the language but the visuals were very nice
0: mm-hmm. And then, like, there's this one scene where they have, like, these globes of, like, candied glass, like, sugar glass, and inside the globes are, like, creams, and each of them are different. Um, and then so, like, I like, they cracked it open with their spoon, and then you- yeah, that-, that visual was really good.
1: I like the part where they had, like, bottles of memories. Mm-hmm. But there's like, they're not actual memories, they're more, like, memories of the way things feel so like there's one and you sniff it and then you just imagine yourself lying on a beach somewhere
0: Mm -hmm. she had good ideas that lady
1: yeah it almost feel like the duel was a way to like string all these like good ideas together like give them some sort of context as opposed to just writing vignettes it's like oh imagine this idea like you need to write a novel you still need a plot
0: Yeah, I wonder if she had like a bunch of vignettes and then someone was like, you can't, you can't do this. Like you need to come up with some sort of plot to like string them together. Right.
1: That's why I feel like a series of short stories probably would have been better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like that would be something really cool. Like if magic existed, like having a magical circus. Yeah. Like a traveling circus.
0: Because you see, like, I feel like... I've
1: always grown up with the idea that circus involves some sort of, like, animal performance. But Mm -hmm. that's becoming, like, illegal now, with good reason. But the whole idea of a circus, I think, it's not really about animal performance. It's to see something that's out of the ordinary. Like, a circus is basically another world. A magical world that exists within the, this tent that travels from place to place. So, magic—if like a circus really is magical, like what would be the kind of magical accent you could see in there?
0: I don't know. It would be really hard. Now it is. I think it would have to be things that incorporate like smell, be and um, like touch, like tactile, like you know, you would have to feel, like, moisture and stuff or heat because, like, Mm -hmm. the visuals that we can make with computers are so good that, like, you would have to have, like, smell and, like, taste and touch incorporated. Right, the two
1: senses that computers cannot recreate. Yet. Yes. Mm -hmm. I imagine, like, maybe, like, you walk into a tent and you're immediately transported somewhere else. Like, say I entered a tent in New Jersey, and inside the tent is, like, the Sahara Desert.
0: That would be cool. And if it was, like, this one tent that was in, like, two places, so then, like, someone in, like, Africa or Kenya or whatever could, like, walk into the tent, and then you could have a conversation, and then, like, when you walked out, you would be back in your respective circuses. Yeah,
1: probably. Well, I wasn't thinking so much teleportation. I was thinking more like TARDIS technology, where the inside of the tent is larger than the outside, oh, and it's cool engineered, too. and it's engineered to make you think that you're in the Sahara Desert or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then it would still require some sort of performance aspect.
0: It would probably be like super flexible people, like Cirque du Soleil. Right. I guess it would have to be like feats of like physical strength or flexibility or like prowess.
1: Right. Or some sort of like amazing kind of choreography, but that does also involve like physical strength and flexibility.
0: Mm -hmm. But the thing is like, would people watch it and then they're like, that's not real. Like that's CGI. I feel like in this case, it would probably have to be,
1: Something that people are willing to um uh, gloss over the fact that it's CGI or magic. Maybe if it's like transported to like back in history or something.
0: What if it was like synesthesia? Like you you go like you go and sit at like an ice cream parlor and then the like the bartender or whatever makes you like an ice cream sundae. This is kid friendly, so there there's no alcohol involved. And then so he'd, like, make you a sundae, and then you would eat it, and you could see the sundae, or you could hear the sundae, or something.
1: I see what you mean. So it's, like, for people without synesthesia, this is, like, the closest approximation to what synesthesia would be like.
0: Yeah. And then so you would, they would put on a performance of, like, a nice, like, a a food that, like, was it hit all your senses and then there would be the performance aspect where like this guy is like a really skilled ice cream maker or whatever and then like but you're also like in a special tent that's like wired up to do all these sorts of things and they can time it so you know you have this like extra sensory it basically you're on drugs but it's real (laughs) 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 and safe for children
1: So my recommendation this week is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a show that I am, I guess, three years too late to jump onto the wagon for. But it is great if you like workplace shenanigans and tough chicks in leather jackets. Rosa Diaz is my motto, and I want to be her when I grow up.
0: My recommendation is to check out your public library because they have like lots of stuff like i found out that i could get free admission to museums and stuff and like so um in a week i'm going to like the botanical gardens with my sister for free so we saved like 24 bucks and all we have to do is pay for parking so yeah check out your local library and i can get the new york times for free Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes. It will help new listeners find us. Have a question or a comment? We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us at NBC Podcast. For links to all the things we talked about today, please go to our blog, midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, Wednesday Cafe.